0: Redwine reads, we want to engage in stories of people from all kinds of backgrounds and experiences. The value of books lies in the power of storytelling and sharing a range of perspectives. We don't want to just read what we know. We want to read stories that open our worldview. And in turn, that means getting into challenging, rewarding conversations. But we are not experts in any field, literature, race relations, politics, et cetera. And we know that our reviews of these books comes from a place of privilege. We encourage our community of readers to add to these conversations with their own thoughts, critiques, and questions. We want to open up a safe place for people. That being said, we also realize that getting into race, sexuality, gender, and other difficult topics can be triggering. We aim to include content warnings whenever they are applicable, but we are not perfect. So as we continue to do our best, know that you have the room to tell us what we can do better. And even if you want to share resources with us, let's learn, grow, and have fun together. Cheers. Hello, readers. Jenna here. I just wanted to pop on and let you know that we do dig into some difficult topics with this episode, like some racist behavior, violence, and some abuse. So please take care when listening to this episode. I feel like sometimes with these types of books, I struggle with the connection between the two separate timelines, but I think this one really worked.
1: Well, I think the two separate timelines is probably her best thing in this book because, quite literally, she distinguished everything that has changed race-wise since the Civil War and everything
0: that has not. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Abby Williams, who may not be a horse girl, but she sure did love this book. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish this book and then come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving conversation, then welcome. We're so glad you're here. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and hot takes of these books on our Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. So without further ado, let's pull some quirks and get reading. This week, we read Horse by Geraldine Brooks. Abby, welcome to the show. So happy to have you on for yet another episode. Well, thanks for having me, Jenna. Happy to be here. What are we drinking today? Oh, we actually got something
1: special because it's beautiful outside the 505. So I'm actually drinking, it's kind of like a mimosa, but instead of orange juice, it's grapefruit juice.
0: That sounds delicious. What are you drinking? I am drinking, I was going to go straight up whiskey, but it's like a little too hot for whiskey neat but see that's a vibe of the book yeah and so i'm like maybe i should have done that but instead i did whiskey with a little blood orange san pellegrino it honestly looks really good it's delicious honestly can't lie to you i, I can't drink whiskey
1: so i'm missing out but
0: <laughs> so this just hit puberty <laughs> excuse me sorry <laughs> um so this week we read horse by geraldine brooks this was a recommendation by my grandmother more so she read this for her book club and then she proceeded to give it to me for Christmas. And so since it was my month that I got to choose which books we are reading, I decided to go with Horse. And of course, I had to bring on Abby because historical fiction gal. <laughs> <laughs> historical fiction expert with us today. Yeah. Well, here, let's get in some quick into some quick facts before we get started. This book was published in 2022. It has a 4.4 out of 5 on Goodreads. So it's quite highly regarded. Geraldine Brooks, She grew up in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia. She worked for the Wall Street Journal, where she covered crises in the Middle East, Africa, and the Balkans. She was awarded the Pulitzer Prize in Fiction in 2006 for her novel March. And then she now lives with her dog named Bear and a mare named Valentine by an old mill pond on Martha's Vineyard. So if that's not what your retirement plan looks like, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, we're doing it wrong, apparently. Yeah, it's actually quite sad. I, I'm not. I'm sure you read it in her afterward, but um, her husband died pretty suddenly on this. Press tour for this book. And so she kind of dedicates the book to him at the end of her afterward. And actually she and her late husband, Tony Horwitz, they won a overseas press club award for best coverage of the Gulf War. And the following year they received a citation of for excellence in their series titled War and Peace. And in 2016, she was named an Officer in the Order of Australia. Wow. Yeah. First of all, power couple, if I do say so myself. It's great. Anyways, that's that's Geraldine Brooks. She's honestly like when I was reading about her, I was like, she's a freaking badass. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I definitely want to read other of hers. Yeah. I love books written by journalists. Any journalist who writes a book is, especially a historical nonfiction book, is just going to be absolutely paying attention to the details. You're going to be kind of put right in the center of things. I think of Kate Quinn, who is this immense researcher. She will find every single detail of a person's life and write about it. And so I think that's what gets me excited to read this book. Agreed. It's just it's just that
1: fact that they really do dive into their research. Essentially, that's what journalists do. And I think you're right. Journalists who turn authors, they usually come out with some of the most detailed and honestly informative. For instance, did we live in the 1850s? No, but I think she gave us a very good representation of that. So I yeah, I, I think journalists kind of have that way to just invite you into a time period. And I think that's super fun.
0: I agree. Let's dive into the summary. And we'll go from there. So the summary, Kentucky, 1850, an enslaved groom named Jarrett and a bay full forge a bond of understanding that will carry the horse to record setting victories across the South when the nation erupts in civil war. An itinerant young artist who has made his name on paintings of the racehorse takes up arms for the Union. On a perilous night, he reunites with the stallion and his groom very far from the glamour of any racetrack. New York City, 1954. Martha Jackson, a gallery owner celebrated for taking risks on edgy contemporary painters, becomes obsessed with a 19th century equestrian oil painting of the mysterious provenance. Washington, D.C., 2019. Jess, a Smithsonian scientist from Australia, and Theo, a Nigerian-American art historian, find themselves unexpectedly connected through their shared interest in the horse, one studying the stallion's bones for clues to his power and endurance, the other uncovering the lost history of the unsung black horsemen who were critical to his racing success. Based on the remarkable true story of the record-breaking thoroughbred Lexington, Horse is a novel of art and science, love and obsession, in our unfinished reckoning with racism. <laughs> That sums it up. Alrighty, it's a pretty dense book in terms of there's just a lot going on. A lot of storylines that we're following, there's a lot of characters that we're following. And so I guess we'll just start off with like, what was your favorite storyline that we were following through this book?
1: Um, I think the most important one that we followed was obviously Jarrett's and Lexington's. I can't say that was my favorite because yes, I love the historical aspect, but I'm also a sucker for a little romance. So, and I was kind of interested because Jess and Theo's story, I didn't quite know how it was going to connect back, like how it was all actually a part of the overall story. So I was looking forward to that. Um, every time I got to their part, I was like, yes. And then it quickly turned out to be one of my least favorite storylines.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I, okay, great. I thought we were going to be like, oh no, we are going to go in such different directions. No, 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 no. Great. Well, honestly, my favorite was Jared's story. I would consider myself not really a horse girl and I have never been a super big fan of horses in horse culture in general. I think that's why this book was kind of hard for me to get into. It's just not my thing, but I did like, you know, reading Jared's story and I think it's interesting to see his role in this in this piece of history and how this great racehorse came to be just because of how he was training him and how he brought it up. And I mean, it's also fascinating because we are recording this the day after Derby. So it's cool to see it in real time and kind of like see how it had played out in today's world and how they would take three to five years to train these thoroughbreds to get ready for racing and nowadays they're taking a year two years and then they're like retiring them at three years old four years old because they're training them so hard at the beginning and their bones aren't even like fully developed and they're just wrecking these horses before they're able to actually come to maturity is just so sad and like she even touches on that in her afterward too but I just think like that story itself fascinated me because it's something that I I had no knowledge
1: on. She really emphasized that in the afterward too. She was like, "Yes, this is about a racehorse, but it's also just about race." And I think that's probably why you like Jared's story the most because, again, yeah, she used racehorses to connect what society was like in that time, and I think that was very clever. And yeah. And I think that's what kind of kept us readers on the edge of our seats. Like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, how does this all tie together? But also informing us, teaching us, she was able to do all that solely through Jared's story.
0: Yeah. And I think being inside of his head too, even when people are talking to him and saying, like, you have a really great life here. You know, you get to train this horse and you get to have your own money and you get to live on your own land. And he's like, I'm still not technically free. Right
1: absolute genius thing that she did is that she always said, you know, Alexander's Jarrett. Like it was never just Jarrett. It was always their master's Jarrett. I think just subtle things like that, I just think it really called it out and makes people understand more.
0: Yeah, and I think an interesting point with Jared's story too. She writes about abolitionists in such a way that she doesn't put them on a pedestal. She kind of shows like the dark side of these abolitionists who are thinking they're doing like God's work when in reality, they still have their own forms of slavery in their life and they're benefiting off of the labors of slavery. And they're even putting their wives in positions of being in their own way, a type of slave to this man. And for sure that was like something I hadn't really read because like when I was first reading about Mary Barclay, like her dad, it's like, oh, he's going to want to free him. And it's like they have these confrontations. And even he is like accusing Jarrett of attacking his daughter and like his daughter's like, that's absolutely not what happened. And so there's even like that kind of transition from, yes, they may be trying to like free these people from slavery, but they're still acting on this racist behavior. Right. That part was like,
1: oof. That's what's crazy is she was able to to capture so many dimensions of it. They had this God complex almost like I'm doing what's best. But then you're right. Even just that part where he walks in on Mary Bar and Jarrett and like accuses him of touching her or something like that. I was just like, mm, nope.
0: Yeah. And I will say... You know, Abby and I are two white women talking about these issues. So like, of course, we're not going to touch on everything and we're not going to be able to bring the most insight into this conversation. And even Geraldine Brooks, she's a white woman writing about these issues, too. But she like had a bunch of people read through her stuff. She even writes in the afterword about how she was giving this piece to people to read through and like, did I get this right? What would you have thought in this situation? How can I make this more like applicable? This is purely just what we're taking away from this. I think she did, like you said, meticulous, really well thought out storylines with Jarrett telling the complexities of everything and telling like the deep dark past and how you can like uncover things we have glorified in you know our education system but I do think killing off Theo I just don't think like it was necessary to the story to the plot to anything I also genuinely don't think Jess and Theo's relationship really added anything in my opinion I think they could have been just colleagues and it would have been fine and like they would have been friends and I think it would have actually been better
1: I think so too actually. Yeah. I mean, I get where she was going with the point she was trying to make about Theo, especially with police brutality, an unnecessary death. I think she's trying to show that, yes, things have changed, but not all that much. Racism is alive and well in our country, in our world. Even with Jess, yes, she was going to these different protests and trying to get Theo's name out there and everything like that, but like she still was ignorant in certain senses. So it was kind of like,
0: Can we learn? Yeah. And I think I think a really fascinating conversation was between Jess and Theo's friend when he's coming to pack up her stuff. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about like we were trying to give him the talk, what it's like to be a black man living in America. He had gone to all these boarding schools at a very young age in England and in Europe and was very well educated. And so they were like, we were trying to teach him like, unlike Europe, unlike England, 90 percent of the police officers aren't carrying weapons And you come to America and that's definitely not the case. And like you have a bunch of trigger happy rookies that just like think they see something. I just think it was fascinating that he was kind of saying to Jess, you were kind of feeding into that fantasy land that he had in his head.
1: (laughs) Well, even once Jess started talking to the journalist she knew exactly what was going to happen. There would be no justice. This is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be some rookie who's going to say, I thought he pulled a gun on me and was assaulting this girl. I thought that was interesting that she literally had the outcome of that entire scenario written before it actually unfolded in the story. Like she was like, this is going to happen and then that's exactly what did. And so I think, I, I don't know. I think she was very clever in the way she wrote certain things and brought in characters to show exactly what that experience is like.
0: I think it could have been a little bit more nuanced with Theo researching the art and the history behind the art. Having him talk with his friends, having his friend have that conversation with him about girlfriends and about like dating a white woman and all this different stuff, I think could have like added a richer experience to like reading this. I think of like the hate you give That entire book centers around a wrongful killing by a police officer. It takes an entire book to unwrap the like complexities behind that. So I feel like it was kind of like a shortcoming to just throw it in right at the end.
1: Well, I remember reading that chapter and I was thinking, like, honestly, that's the last thing that I was anticipating. And then when the
0: shooting happened, I wasn't prepared for it. Because I think throughout the entire book, it is very, for the most part, It's the subtleties in like the day-to-day acts of racism that she's talking about through Jarrett's story and even through the beginning of Jess and Theo's story. I get why she wanted to include it. I really do. But kind of like you
1: said, that is something that needs to be chapters on chapters on chapters, not just, you know, one quick.
0: Yeah. Ten pages worth. Yeah. Okay, Martha ja- Martha Jackson, is that even her name? Random, honestly. I was like, okay. I get it because like, she is one of the real characters in the actual story of, of this horse. But also, it took me longer than it should have to realize that Martha Jackson was not Mary Barr. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this today because
1: I'm like, they went into so much detail about Lee and her husband, but they had absolutely nothing to do with literally anything.
0: <laughs> So out of left field well and then like she they don't necessarily know how she got that painting into her possession so like just inserting like a story of how she got that it felt so weird
1: right and it also felt weird because we know as an audience how those paintings at least were out of Jarrett's possession but that means that May had one and then the rebel people whatever they're called they they steal one you know so then that is actually alluding to like at least one of those paintings which was it the maid or was it the other one? You know, like those are their ancestors. Yeah. And we didn't talk about
0: that at all. Yeah. I got confused on who had what painting. It was confusing. Yeah.
1: Because there were there were the three paintings. Yeah. So I guess I guess Martha's story, I, I understand, especially to tie in the art. I think that's why she had to include her. But it
0: also felt like well, what is this? Like, what? I feel like they could have, you know, when uh, Jess and the other gal that are working on the bones, I it, when they were like talking and they had, she had this one-off comment of like, oh, and then this painting ended up at like this woman's Martha, Martha Jackson's house and now ended up here whatever. That would have been enough context for me. I don't think I would have needed the like whole background story of it because the interesting parts are like, putting together this horse and like having Jess kind of find this abnormal abnormality of his eye and then like you flash back to the horse and you're like oh my god is he gonna get like hit that was actually interesting how she did that because I had no idea what was wrong with
1: Lexington I didn't catch on that he was blind I really didn't well well, what are things that we did like
0: about this book honestly I think the first three-fourths of this book I really enjoyed I think the like interwoven nature of you know the historical fiction part of it and kind of telling this beautiful story. And then you also have this kind of scientific method of researching the bones and researching the oils that are used with this painting and the like signatures. But then you also have the art aspect of how does this play into the bigger picture of art that was being produced at the time and the artist that was actually painting this. I just think it was written and mapped out really well except for the Martha Jackson section. But like I think it was just mapped out really nicely and the stories went together really nicely. I feel like sometimes with these types of books, I struggle with the connection between the two separate timelines, but I think this one really worked. Well, I think
1: the two separate timelines is probably her best thing in this book because quite literally, she distinguished everything that has changed race-wise since the Civil War and everything that has not.
0: Yeah, I think she wrote a book that I think is gaining so much attention and people are liking it so much because it's sparking all these like very important conversations. Well, I I literally make
1: it a habit not to read what the books are that you give me because I don't want to know what they're about. I'm glad you gave me this one because I totally am a horse girl. I love horses. I think they're awesome. It was interesting like seeing this magnificent animal. And when I say they are magnificent, I literally mean it. Horses can do so much. And so it was just interesting to see how she used this horse as a vehicle to talk about something that our society needs to talk about.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think she provides such an interesting vehicle with this book to talk about these really hard topics with a bunch of characters that are very complicated and have relationships that are complicated. For the longest time, I thought friggin' Jarrett and Mary Barr were going to get together. Me too! I totally thought that. Mary Barr was a very interesting character because I
1: actually think out of all the white people that we we meet in this book, she was the only one fully interested in caring for Jarrett.
0: Yeah, and it's even... Interesting because you have that character who kind of wants to be this, almost has like a white savior complex. It put him in more danger. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you can't be in here. If they see me with you, like they're going to execute me. That is a fantastic point. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And she's like, I'm just
1: trying to help. But he's like, are you kidding me? Well, and I think that's part of the problem too. She never, she never listened. She never tried to understand where he was coming from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly a great book. I would recommend this book, and I think it would lead to a very interesting conversation if if you're in like a little book club setting like we are. Well, let's get into our final ratings. For me, I gave this book a four out of five. The historical fiction side of things of this book is so good. I do think she lost me a little bit with the Martha Jackson storyline and lost me a little bit right at the very end. It just seemed, yeah, very abrupt, very rushed. I don't think, like, we can tie it up in a pretty bow, but I think we could have left it more, like, nuanced. Yeah, in my opinion, this book was great and then lost me at the end, And because of that, I give it a four out of five.
1: Quite literally would say the exact same thing. I rated it four out of five kind of for the exact same reasons you did. The ending just really threw me. I'm all for a shock factor. But yeah, it, it didn't get the point I think she wanted to get across. I love her writing style. Personally, I found myself reading this book really, really fast at first And I think she does a really good job with character development. I will say that. So yeah, four out of five. I really, I really like this book. I would recommend it. Um, I think it will spark a lot of conversations. And I've told you this before. I love books that make me think about, you know, what they're saying. Is it a call to action for me? Like, what can I do different? What can I learn from this? And I, I definitely think there was a lot of stuff in this book that was really, really good.
0: Amazing. Well, let's get into our pairings. Where we pick TV shows, books, and movies that might pair well with today's book. Oh, and also drinks. So my drink is gonna be a nice little glass of whiskey on the rocks, neat, whatever you like. And I would do Woodford Reserve only because that's what I'm uh, drinking right now, and it's the official uh, whiskey of Derby. So oh wow, mm-hmm. it fits. And uh, so my TV show is a, a TV show I literally just finished a few days back. And it's Beef with Ali Wong and Steven Yin. That's funny that you say that because I quite literally yesterday was
1: told by a co-worker to watch that.
0: I was telling my co-workers the other day, like, this might quite literally be one of the best TV shows I've ever watched.
1: Wow, high praise.
0: It kind of, like, goes into their separate lives and, like, how their different upbringings have kind of led to, like, this deep-seated anger and this deep-seated frustration that they're now taking out on each other and it's just this like conversation that I don't think like you're expecting when you're first watching it and it's just like a very complicated show that you're not expecting like guess what I'm binging today (laughs) I can talk about it for days but it's so good but I think like that same conversation of like how race is shown through different time. They're in in the same timeline, but they are such different people in such different circumstances and how like race plays into each of theirs. And it's fascinating. My book, I have a lot of books, actually. There's so many books that could fit this. So uh, I mentioned earlier, The Hate You Give, that is still probably one of the top 10 books I've ever read in my life that is heartbreaking and really raw and really real and gives me as a You know, a white woman who grew up in a very white town perspective that I would have never gained unless I started reading books. So, like that book, phenomenal. Another country again talks about race relations and kind of the perception of how black men in America have to navigate. And this book takes place in like 1950s New York, and so a little bit different, a little bit further on, but still that perception of if a black man is with a white woman alone at night, what are they going to suspect? Is Kind of like the first little story that you get from that book, and then the other last book I had was Lessons in Chemistry. Oh gosh, okay, because <laughs> because of the abrupt killing of one of the characters with a dog nearby. Fair enough. And then my movie, <laughs> my movie was Sea Biscuit.
1: Honestly, I thought about Sea Biscuit. I was like, you know what? Yeah, that makes sense. It's just a given. It's a given. Those are pretty good, Jonah. All right, so. I chose this book because to this day, it was the first book that I read that actually talked about race. Specifically, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry by Mildred D. Taylor. It was such a good book. Would definitely pair it with that and recommend anyone read that. You will cry. I am just going to throw that in there. Uh, The movie I chose was actually Lincoln, the 2012 film. Um, It's all about Lincoln in power during the Civil War and I think it gives a very interesting perspective because in this book, we're not like, yes, we're, we're set in the Civil War or kind of like pre-Civil War and then during. But we don't actually talk about what's going on in the entire United States when this is happening. So I think that's a good one to pair for. And then this is kind of right on the nose as well. Uh, for a TV show, I did a Netflix docuseries. Um, It's called When They See Us. It's just a four-parter. So yeah, it's about a group of black teenagers who were wrongfully collect, uh, convicted of raping a, a white jogger. Yeah, it, it's hard. Um, And then my drink, as the same as you. I did whiskey, which is just whiskey was the drink of the 1950s. Like that was the time period when it was actually cheaper than beer or wine or anything else. So everyone drank whiskey. So I did the 1950 Macallan Single Malt Scotch whiskey. That is my pairing. Ooh, I know. Fancy schmancy, right? So there you have it.
0: Whoa, Macallan. Okay. Well, there you go. What what a book. Uh, this honestly was a conversation that I, I I felt like it might go in this direction, but it Jenna, I think we're realizing that we our brains just must work
1: the same. I don't know. We need to find a book where I know that we just like will completely be opposite on because
0: I know we're gonna find one eventually. Well, Abby, thank you so much for joining me. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at RW Reads Podcast. Again, that's at R W R E A D S P-O-D-C-A-S-T. At RW Reads Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.